my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Welcome back to another episode of Big Money Energy, where we talk to super successful and self-made people to find out exactly how they did it, how they went from nothing to something. Today, I'm joined by none other than Raja Rajamana, CMO of MasterCard. We talk about a lot of different things. Now, let's get into it. Welcome to another episode. Take me back to the beginning. So for the audience and everyone that's watching and listening, your story into like Fortune 100, Fortune 500, you know, the world to being the CMO of MasterCard, which is just nuts. You don't wake up one day and say, mom, this is what I want to do. You initially went to school for chemical engineering. That's correct. And now you're in marketing. So clearly... There, was, there wasn't a book on that. So take me back to your little kid, you're running around. What were you first interested in? See, firstly, as a kid, uh, I used to be a good student even then. Oh, good job. And my mom would put the fear of God in us to say that if you don't study well, you will have to probably be a you know, manual laborer 
in one of those fields or construction sites, which petrified me. So I used to really study very hard. Did she make you do that work, like at nights or weekends or summers? No, 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 she did not. It, viewing it from a distance was enough okay. <laughs> for me to say that's not what I would really like to do. Uh, so as a student, I was a very good student. And uh, I joined chemical engineering because I was interested in chemistry. And I was also specializing in environmental engineering, which is all about pollution control and treatment of effluents and all that. And I really enjoyed it. And I was a valedictorian. And I stood first in the university as well as other universities, got some gold medals and all the good stuff. So I thought that's where I was going to actually uh, make my career. And I joined MBA after that in one of the uh, prestigious management schools in India called uh, Indian Institute of Management in and I joined for environmental management and uh, human settlements and habitats. So that was where I thought I'll specialize in. And quite by accident, between the first and second years, I had to do an internship. And I did this internship with a company called Lakme, uh, which was a color cosmetics company in India. In India? In India, in okay. Bangalore. So I was sitting in one of the cabins and working away on my logistics projects. And I overheard a conversation between my supervisor and the agency guys in the next cubicle. And I said, why are these guys struggling so hard? To me, it was very evident how they should produce the campaign, though I had no clue of advertising or marketing for that matter. So I just took a small piece of paper and I said, the campaign caption I gave, is it bad to look good? And then I created a small campaign out there, right there as an ad. And I went to him. And I said, hey, I got an idea. I just overheard your conversation. So I hope you didn't mind. But here is what I have as an idea. So he fell off his chair. <laughs> he said, this is brilliant. And then that made it its way to the chairman of the company. And then they really converted it to a real campaign, which became a big hit, won some awards and all that. Wow. And that was just something you were overhearing. I was just overhearing and I intuitively did it. So then I started thinking, you know, uh, maybe this is what I'm really good at. So instead of environmental engineering or environmental management, let me also try to specialize in marketing. So I started taking a lot of marketing electives. And that's when the bug had really bitten me. And here it is 36 years after I'm still in marketing and I enjoy every moment of it. So then you graduated, you've decided to make the switch over to marketing, which is a massive mindset shift. How did you have the courage to do that? Like, I, I hear you, you had that line with, you know, the superiors and it works and it's fun and it's exciting. Let me go take some electives. But you train your whole life to do one thing to then just make such a dramatic shift. Like, how do you have the courage to do that? Or did you not do it like it wasn't so black and white? It was kind of over time. No, it was an immediate switch. Okay. Literally, it was an immediate switch. There was no okay. you know, pondering over it for a long time. See, the key thing is, you know, every marketing course that I took, I really enjoyed it very deeply. And I could perform very well in the examinations and the case studies and things like that. Uh, and uh, when I graduated, uh, I had, I also won some scholarships and all the good stuff. So when I graduated, there was a company which came uh, to the campus called Asian Paints. Okay. It was the largest paint company in India. Is that like the first company you worked for? Correct. Yes. And they came for the campus recruitment and they don't they didn't have a marketing department though they were India's largest paint company. And they wanted to create a marketing department. They wanted me to be a founder member of the marketing team, but as a founder flunky. Yeah. Which I was okay with. I had two bosses. It was a three people team. So somehow the idea of creating a department from zero and being a founder of that department gave me a lot of kick. I said, okay, I'll go and do it. And uh, imagine my surprise when I went to the camp, when I went, joined the company, 
uh, one of the directors on the board of uh, that company, he and I, we happened to meet in a men's toilet. <laughs> so he asked me, I believe you're the guy who has come in to teach us how to do marketing. Uh, but tell me, we are doing anyway so well without the help of any marketing so yeah. far. And we are the market leaders. So tell me, what exactly are you guys going to do? And how are you going to transform this? Because we are doing well without your help so far. That actually set me thinking quite a lot. I said, these guys are already market leaders. They don't have a marketing department. So what exactly does marketing do in companies? Till that time, my knowledge in marketing was all very theoretical. It was reading Philip Kotler and all the marketing books and all that stuff. Then I started on a journey going to different companies uh, and trying to ask them, what do you do in marketing? How are you organized? And what are your goals? And what are your strategies and so on? And I was going to people who are not com uh, companies we were not competing against. And it was a fascinating eye-opener for me that each company had its own definition of marketing. They do whatever they pleased and call it marketing. Sure. And uh, I said, wow, because that, that sort of dispelled the myth that marketing as a function is very well-defined and this is how it has to be. It was as varied as the companies were. So I said, okay, then we'll come up with our own definition of marketing. And I created my own job description and our own mandate for the function. And we produced some award-winning campaigns and created some award-winning new products, which became market leaders. And we came with the distribution and logistics innovations. Had a fantastic time there. And then what happens is once you start uh, you know, seeing success, success motivates you to do even more. And that sort of even more. And so that, that sort of kept going throughout my career. And I moved from after three years with Asian Pints, uh, I moved to Unilever, yep. which was considered to be the school of marketing in India. Yes. And uh, the reason why I wanted to huge, move. Huge, huge company. It's a gigantic company. And it's, it's a household name in India. And I didn't move because if it was a household name or a great brand, but I moved because they were giving me accommodation in Bombay. As a <laughs> nice, a little perk. They give you an apartment. It's a big perk, right? In Bombay, you don't afford a, you, know, you cannot afford an apartment on your own. Yeah. Uh, particularly when you're starting your career and three years into your career. So I said, that's a great deal. So I went and joined. And when I joined, I had the biggest shock in my life when they said, okay, you're coming into Unilever, but you start in sales, not in marketing. And here I was, I always had very low opinion of salespeople. Oh, good. You've come to the right podcast. Correct. So, <laughs> welcome. So, interestingly, I said, no, sales is meant for people who are not intellectual. Great. I'm good. good. I want to just keep recording this. this I, I'm awesome. just sort of going on, right? Yeah, yeah. And I always felt if people are glib, they can talk smoothly. Yeah. And they can trick you into buying things that you don't need. You're a great sales guy. You win awards. You get your come incentives <laughs> and all that. I said, that's what sales is. And I'm not that kind of a guy. I always fancied myself as being an intellectual and a creative kind of a guy, but not a sales guy. So I said, no, I'll not join. And then the head of marketing for Unilever in India, he said that, you know, trust me, unless you are a good salesman, you'll never be a good marketer. You'll remain an ivory tower marketer. And uh, the, the temptation of the apartment was too much to let go. So very reluctantly, <laughs> I went into sales and I was put in charge of North India, uh, which was a gigantic territory for India at the time, uh, for all the personal care products. And I had uh, uh, like, you know, 1600 salespeople that I had to supervise and I had no clue of sales. And I was put as their boss. I said, this is going to be a crazy journey. And uh, I think my myths about sales got dispelled within the very first week. Suddenly, I started seeing that these guys, and I joined in summer. It's hot, scorching hot in India, in Delhi. Yes. And I haven't how, been there, but I've heard. 
it's awfully hot. Yeah. And these poor guys would go onto the streets, go shop to shop to shop, because in India, the distribution was mom and pop stores. Sure. They would go, they would plead, they would convince, they would sell the product actually, deliver the products themselves, because they had to pick up stocks. And if you don't deliver the stocks, then the shopkeeper might change his or her mind. So they wanted to fulfill the right then and there itself, collect the money from the previous visit, and then go to the next shop. They had to do 40 shops a day. Oh my God. When I started walking with them, I found a new uh, no, level of respect for these folks. I said, these guys are killing themselves. They're pounding the pavements relentlessly. And when you're told no, no, no in multiple shops, it's very, uh, for me, I was feeling thoroughly depressed and demoralized. So these guys, they won't let their spirits sink or sag. They would just keep going. I tell you, that was probably the biggest lesson in my life from the point of resilience. Yeah. And I Endurance, had a yeah. newfound uh, appreciation for sales like never before. And uh, then I started getting addicted to sales. And we started really together as a sales team. We were bonding beautifully. But what was enduring was the relationships with the people. They would give their life for you. And these folks, till now, they're some of my best friends. And I keep in touch with them. And whenever I go to India, yeah. we have a reunion with the team. Nice. And they're all in different places now. Some of them have unfortunately passed away. Some of them are there. So the those who are alive, we all get together frequently. And we have our Zoom calls these days. I tell you, I made lifelong relationships. And they taught me, actually, what is marketing in the field. What is, is marketing in the field? It is sales. Yeah. You are fighting the marketing warfare on the streets, in the shops, in the retail. And that's where the, actually the uh, rubber hits the road. You can sit in your ivory tower head office in an air-conditioned comfort and then start creating all your fancy campaigns. But these are the guys who actually make it happen. You know, you can create demand, yes, but these are the guys who are actually enable the demand fulfillment and get the distribution going. Without all that, your whole marketing is otherwise useless. And particularly in those days, there was no direct marketing. You had to go through distribution channels. But what also it did was, in sales, you're focused on tangible outcomes. In marketing, you can become very fluffy and intellectually justify to yourself that you're doing a great job, people love this campaign, Stuff like that. But sales is all about it's results real. Yeah. and it's very, very tangible, right? Connecting the dots between the results, marketing, etc. It was a phenomenal journey. And uh, I was there for three and a half years in sales. Before then, I moved into marketing. And then you know, I'm so grateful that I had that state. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I want to go back, though, to that that moment where, you know, you talked about the question that came to you of, okay, we're a huge company. We're selling a lot. What are you going to do for marketing? What is marketing for a company that is already selling the most? Is it just re, I mean, you've done a lot of innovation and I mean, I could talk to you for a hundred hours, right? Like there is, that's what I was saying. When you came in here, I was like, I don't even know where to start with him because from this award to this title, to this role, to this, there's so much, but like it's, it's innovating new products to help sales. Is that kind of the, the path that you then took for sure, you're selling everything you currently have well, but you could sell more and you could also do this, 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 and that's where marketing helps. So marketing, I would, the way I would look at it is creating demand yep. across every point within the value chain. Okay. Consumers should demand your product. The retailers should demand your product. The wholesalers should demand your product or service, whichever it is. The factory people, should prioritize your product. You're creating demand for your product to be produced by these guys. You're literally selling your the need to get your product into their respective domains across the entire value chain is one part of it. Second, you're trying to understand the latent demand, latent needs of people. People, many of the times, they don't even know what they want. Sure. Right, and I think Steve Jobs has really made it famous with his quote, and that's true. But Philip Kotler, long, long before that, he said that marketing is all about satisfying the felt and the latent demand yeah. of people. 
and uh, so that part of it is something which is fascinating to understand like you know how innovative can you get creating a soap how much do people relate to a stupid soap yeah. or a shampoo right but then you are trying to split hair and come up with concepts which are really compelling and shift the market share in terms of the demand that you get and then fulfill it it's that kind of a thing how do you manage logistics very differently how do you come up with packaging innovation because when people are going not every product purchase is a predetermined purchase there is a lot of impulse purchase plus also at the moment of truth when you are just buying it the packaging needs to be motivating and give you that just gentle nudge to go over and then pick up that and then buy the product you create packaging pricing this is a quantitative game and pricing is where in fact i have leveraged probably the most of my engineering skills because you're playing with numbers yep and how small changes in pricing can vastly impact your profitability on the one hand but on the other hand uh it can also uh you know move your consumer behavior whether you're price elastic or not that's what the term is it's fascinating and then there is behavioral economics which is a completely different field where it has got nothing to do with rational thinking but it's all about emotions and feelings and how do you connect that behavior with economics and the combination of the intersection is behavioral economics it's a fascinating thing so marketing is such a rich and a holistic function uh and uh, that's what i try to do throughout my career whichever role whichever company or whichever geography uh, i was in So how long were you at Unilever? Almost 7 years. Almost 7 years. Yeah. And from there you went to Citibank. Citibank. You were C- there for a long time. Uh 15 years. So what was the first thing you thought about then as as the marketer, right? Behind that new credit card that that other people listening who are starting their own businesses whether it's in sales of real estate or cars or starting their own app or whatever they might be doing. Like where do you where do you start? I get that question a lot. because people become very overwhelmed right they they know what they're doing but they have no idea where to even start do i start with social ads is it people on the street am i should i print out flyers do i go on a radio show do i do it all and then i don't do anything because it's too much like when you did that like what what was the first thing you thought about what did you do on monday see the first thing is you need to make sure that you understand what need you are satisfying sure and of whom okay uh and if you know for example i'm satisfying the uh payment needs of consumers yeah that is an ocean in itself what part of payment needs is it the borrowing or is it the uh you know a spontaneous immediate payment or you are talking about the convenience there are so many aspects of so what you do is you look at the need dissect it to depth okay to understand every facet of that need number one write it all down write it all down i think there is no, nothing gives you better clarity then either speaking it out or writing it down okay. writing it down is by far the best one i find yeah then when you look at it and then see okay these there are 10 needs or sub needs or manifestations of the need out of the one need that i'm actually saying i'm going to address choose your bucket of needs that you want to satisfy number one then look at the cultural context and the fabric people say oh i'm in the business to business marketing or my product is to businesses yeah so B2B. why should i be b2b so why should i be bothered about uh you know human psychology and all because i'm selling it to a business the thing that's a big fallacy in people's minds so long as it is human beings who run businesses they still behave like human beings mm-hmm. even in the business context mm-hmm. so raja the consumer behaves exactly the same way as raja the decision maker for his business yeah the same aspirations the same insecurities uh 
the same goals, the same apprehensions. It's ex- you're one individual, irrespective of which context you are in. But what happens for some weird reason is people become very formal and impersonal when it comes to B2B communication or B2B pitching. Whereas in personal, they're all, you know, oozing emotion and nice and warm and all that stuff. So that people have to really realize it is one single person in two different contexts. Yes, when I make decisions for my company, I'm not paying it out of my pocket. Sure. Somebody's financing. There are some gatekeepers. There are some influencers to my decision. But I'm still Raja. I'm the same person with the same emotional makeup, with the same feelings. So if you recognize that part of it, you're going to be marketing very differently than the way you are. In fact, I give uh, this feedback to a lot of my peers as well. You say, look at the flyer or some brochure that you produce for a company. It looks like a piece of industrial brochure, which it should not be. Make it interesting. Make it exciting. Make it playful. So when you came into MasterCard, because I'm still, you know, I've always come from a point of, you know, every house we sell is a brand new puzzle. You know, the house hasn't sold a thousand times where it's selling so well, that one house, so I could sell it in a heartbeat. I don't have to do anything for it. Every house we get is hard in some way, mm-hmm. unless it's underpriced. But I, it's I, maybe twice in my whole life I've met a seller who's agreed to underprice something. Every other time, oh. <laughs> by far, well, it's overpriced. Um, and so you, MasterCard is a huge company, mm-hmm. right? A massive company. What was one of the first things you did when you came in there to really help them think about marketing in a different way to help them grow their business? Yeah. You see, actually, MasterCard was already a top 100 brand when they inherited it, right? And uh, that's a huge privilege to inherit a brand like uh, MasterCard. And I felt very grateful for that. And I still feel very grateful for that. And the company had a fantastic ad campaign called Priceless. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like I have inherited something which is broken that needs to be fixed. Yeah. But it is chugging away brilliantly. It's famous. Who, who, and, who came up with that? Uh, McCann. McCann. So an agency. An agency, yes. They have. The, they were the ones who came with the priceless campaign, and which is running now. In fact, next year. Still. Is the 25th anniversary. Of that of campaign. That campaign. Crazy. So it's, it's absolutely, it's doing a brilliant event today. Uh, so when I came in, my, I, my mandate was not to fix marketing but to really move marketing into a different realm of effectiveness. And so we started asking ourselves, what, why does marketing exist within MasterCard? So in those days, it all used to be about build and nurture the brand and make it strong. So I said, that's a very narrow way of defining marketing. So we said, we'll have three pillars. We will grow and nurture the brand and protect our reputation. We will be the single biggest competitive advantage for MasterCard. So marketing and communications should be the single biggest competitive advantage for MasterCard. And therefore, we can fuel the business. So we said we'll be actually fueling the growth of the business, profitable growth of the business. And of course, build these uh, you know, platforms and uh, capabilities that are very difficult for other people to replicate. So we have a sustainable competitive advantage. So with these three pillars, we went in and we went a complete overhaul, including the priceless campaign. So Priceless used to be an advertising platform. So you show very beautiful moments in people's lives that are truly priceless. And so you focus on priceless things. For everything else, there is MasterCard. Yep. That was the campaign, very simple. So what I felt was that, uh, firstly, I had to be very careful not to have the new bride syndrome. 
So new bride syndrome is actually an Indian concept where they say when in, in, in India we have the concept of joint families, okay. where everyone lives together for the family. So the you know boy if if I got sons, the daughters in law and the son they all live with you, you know and you grow up and you age the previous next generation comes up, the previous generation passes away but they're all living together. Sure. So they say when a new bride comes to the home. she wants to prove herself yeah that she is worthy of the family new ideas let's do this etc yeah. and then she tries to impress and then first thing the way she tries to impress is to criticize the existing practices and tell everyone how great her mother's house was yes. okay. <laughs> and get the best practices from the previous home sure so that is a recipe for disaster yeah so when i came into the mastercard one of the first things i said is i have to respect the heritage i have to be grateful for what i have inherited and then not be biased only by that but to say okay how can i take it to the next level i'm not throwing the baby out of the bath water but how do you make the baby stronger so the first thing which struck me is priceless is being so underutilized as a concept for us by us it was used only for advertising but can priceless be truly infused into all the four p's of marketing which is product can we create priceless product opportunities how do you infuse pricelessness into price into packaging into promotions everything like across the entire distribution and uh, that changed the whole, whole approach and then we started create using priceless as a experiential platform instead of showcasing wonderful experiences on the television in the advertisements we said we'll curate and create experiences for people that they will really experience and you know it, there are certain things which you can explain there are certain things you cannot explain you need to experience sure priceless is to be experienced not explained so we were creating those priceless moments for people to experience like just as an example if you say okay you can go and sleep on the great wall of china uh, or sleep inside the pyramid the great pyramid uh, cheops that's in egypt that's a once in a lifetime experience or have a tour of uh, the louvre museum after the museum is closed for public and you sit at the end of the dinner in front of mona lisa's portrait and you have dinner with her and there is official photographer taking your pictures instead of you trying to sneak your pictures when nobody is watching and you sleep for the night under the glass pyramid uh created by IMP yep and you sleep under the stars it's a ethereal experience unbelievable experience truly priceless so we started curating this at scale in an economical fashion and i moved a lot of my money from traditional marketing into experiential marketing we started building experiential marketing platforms which became rock solid for us and we started getting into sponsorships in a big way to be able to curate these experiences so we looked at people's lives into passions what are people passionate about no two people are passionate about the same thing sure each one is very unique so we would focus on 10 passion points around the world like sports is one passion point music traveling art and culture movies philanthropy environment sustainability health and well-being and so on so we had these 10 passion points in each one of these passion points we are curating experiences that money cannot buy but you can get only with a mastercard that changed our trajectory completely both in the b2b context and the b2c context and fast forward now mastercard has become a top 10 brand in the world as measured by brandzi which is we had identified one of the most robust methodologies and trackers sure done by a third party so we are not self reporting ourselves somebody else is doing it and they are publishing it and we are looking at pure that public data and uh, so we are a top 10 brand globally we are at number 8 in the united states our brand has never been stronger our brand valuation has multiplied about 8 times in the last uh, 8 years 
Crazy. Yes. And uh, it's been sort of, it, that's just on the brand side, but in terms of some of the cutting edge stuff, we are doing something like, you know, creating our audio brand. And we have been rated for two years in a row as the world's number one audio brand. For two years, uh, you know, that, that's a very nice thing for us. We created and launched our own restaurants. We launched our most recent restaurant three weeks back in Sao Paulo in Brazil. The next one is happening next week in what are they uh, called? Mexico. Priceless. Get it. It's called Priceless by MasterCard. Nice. That's She's going to hit everything. You get everything. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a phenomenal uh, restaurant, but it gives you an unbelievably <laughs> good experience there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. But is the idea then through all the experiential marketing and not just magazine ads, right? And standard television commercials is you're you're taking budget dollars and you're putting it in places that can permeate what you're talking about, like, you know, behavior more than anything. Yes, it's behavior. Absolutely right. And connecting and engaging with consumers on things that they care about, yeah. which is what we call passion points. And not just reminding them that you, you're a credit card. Nobody cares. Yeah. 
right? They care about themselves and their needs. So how do you really engage them in that sense? And also one of the key things we do is we call it multisensory marketing. If you see most of the ads, they cater to two of your senses, yep. the sense of sight and yep. the sense of sound. Yep. Now, human beings, by and large, are blessed with five senses, which means they've got sensors, five sensors through which they absorb information, the brain processes and comes to conclusions and makes them act or feel or think or do whatever. Why are we using only two? How can I leverage all the five senses? Fragrances. The, fragrance is one. That's a sense of uh, you know, yeah. what you call uh, smell. Yeah. Then we have got restaurants as a sense of taste. As an example, sense of touch, we launched a card last fortnight, uh, a card called Touch Card, which actually helps blind people Oh, wow. By feeling it, there is a small notch on the side of the card. So they can orient the card because otherwise they have no way yeah, of putting the front is, of yeah. the card. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't know which, is that a credit card, debit card, prepaid card? Today, what they have to do, a person who is sight impaired, they have to take the card and show it to somebody else. Which card is this? Yeah. Why should they scary. be dependent on somebody else? It's scary. On the one hand, there are a lot of bad characters yeah, of course. who take advantage of it. And on the other hand, you should give them an enablement to be independent. So when we did develop this concept and we ran it past some brilliant uh, not-for-profit organizations like uh, the National uh, Royal National uh, Institute for the Blind in the United Kingdom, they loved it. So we have actually just announced the launch and we're going to be making it available in the first quarter of 2022 wow. around the world. So this is leveraging the sense of touch. Yeah. Now, what, what we are doing here is not to brag about MasterCard, the brand, but show you and give you experiences that are truly meaningful and relevant to you. And you know, subconsciously, subliminally, or whichever level it is, even consciously, that this has been brought to you by MasterCard and you feel good about it. Sure. So there is a strong positive connection between your feelings and the enabler, which is in this case MasterCard. So we're rethinking marketing completely. And, uh, you know, I, I have actually written this book called Quantum Marketing. Yes. Which went on to become a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Congrats, by the way. Thank you so much. It had won lots of awards. I feel very, very grateful for that. And many business schools uh, have actually changed the marketing curriculum in their MBA uh, program based on my book. And uh, so what we are talking about is the way you do marketing today is not going to work tomorrow. Yep. You need to reinvent marketing in the new context of cultural changes that have happened and are happening. They are li literally tectonic changes. Then you are talking about technologies coming at us like a tsunami. More than 24 different technologies like AI, AR, VR. You've got uh, what do you call autonomous driving vehicles, yep. a lot of things, wearables, 24 different technologies, each one capable of disrupting lives. 24 of them together will totally alter lives altogether. So marketing has to really leverage those technologies and not get obsolete or left behind. And then there is data. Every time, like, you know, people have connected uh, thermostats, connected toothbrushes, connected commodes and coffee makers. So everything is connected and these connected devices are gathering information. So we need to be very careful of consumers' privacy, be in, in incredibly respectful of their privacy. And even as you're respecting the privacy, then figure out what am I going to do with all this data? How can I make sense out of it? And how can I be in better service of the consumers tomorrow? That, no, the, between the technology, data, and the cultural shifts between the three of them, marketing is not going to be the same. And the new way of doing marketing is quantum marketing. And MasterCards is my labs. MasterCard is my labs, literally. <laughs> where we are trying out and you know, uh, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, and then take it on. So it, it's been a fun journey. What excites you about the future now? 
right? You've been doing this for a long time. You've seen the world change real fast and it gets faster every single year. The way you market and the way you sell is very different today than it was when I got into the business 13 years ago. It was very different than the way it was in 1999. You know, it's less door to door now, which is great. Um, but it's also overwhelming because there's almost too many options. So thinking about marketing, branding, and sales in the 2020s and beyond, how do you stay motivated and how do you how do you plan for success when there is so much noise and you can't win with dollars? True. Dollars is not the way to win at all. Uh, in fact, you know, when I look at the future, I talk about the advent of the fifth paradigm of marketing. So if you go back in time, marketing used to be in its very first paradigm, very product-centric. I've got a great product packaged beautifully, priced appropriately, available next door. Consumers will flock to my product and buy because consumers are logical in their thinking and rational in their behavior. Why would they go anywhere else? If we get the best product, top product, best price, great packaging, easy availability. That used to pervade for a long time, actually for more than 2,000 years, literally. But then marketers discovered that now people are not rational in their thinking or actions. They're not logical. They're emotional. They're full of feelings. They're irrational, actually. That was the second paradigm of marketing when sociology, psychology, anthropology, they came into marketing. It prevailed for a good number of years. And in mid-1990s, internet came about. Data analytics came about into marketing. It changed the face of marketing totally. It was like people are starting again yeah. in terms of marketing. Uh, that is the third paradigm, which is data-driven marketing. Then in 2007, iPhone was launched and social media platforms scaled, starting with Facebook. That brought marketing into the fourth paradigm. Each of these paradigm shifts was being enabled by two technologies at a time. But going forward, we are at the cusp of this fourth and fifth paradigms, where we are going to be disrupted by 24 technologies, each one incredibly powerful, and the collection of these 24 is mind-boggling. Everything that we learned in marketing till now is going to fall flat on its face. It's like you're recreating the entire concept of marketing, reimagining it totally, new frameworks, new structures. Just to give an example, um, I, I keep saying this often, that advertising as we know it is dead. Loyalty doesn't exist. Loyalty is dead. There is no concept of loyalty. Human beings are not hardwired for loyalty, period. Dogs are, human beings are not. So what's the point of brands running loyalty programs? They need stickiness of the consumers, but they have to reimagine the entire paradigm. Uh, purchase funnels don't exist. Purchase funnels are collapsed. So what I'm saying is every single facet and tenet of marketing the way we know it is, falling, is failing or falling apart. So we need to reinvent and rethink. And marketing, when you do this, is so enabled with all these technologies and data and uh, everything happening, I almost feel like I have been trained these last 36 years to now enter the real field of marketing. So I'm at the start of the journey, literally, of this fifth paradigm, which is incredibly exciting. This is the most inspiring moment. And one of the good things, uh, Ryan, is I might sound Pollyannish on this, uh, but the reality is there is something fantastic you feel when you, feel, when you realize that they have made a contribution 
for the betterment of somebody or some groups or some communities or some countries. Marketing of future is not just about shareholders and your company's profits, but it's going to be grounded in ethics, integrity, and good for the community or the social good. So marketing is going to be a force for the growth of the company, but also for the good of the society. Now, we experimented with a few. We started at MasterCard with cancer cures. So we partnered with Stand Up to Cancer. We raised about $55 million for them. We created campaigns. We did a whole bunch of things. Our job is easy, but they created drugs. They discovered drugs, which got FDA approved. Seven drugs in a record time. And when patients actually occasionally write to MasterCard, saying that, thank you, MasterCard. And then we do this with MLB and um, uh, World Series and All-Stars and all that, uh, where we say the stand-up stand up moment, stand-up to cancer moment. So you stand up for somebody against cancer and you hold the board, etc. The kind of emotional response which we get is gratifying. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, getting into things like uh, the touch card for the blind people. And I have personally received letters from some of the parents of blind children saying that this is so profoundly meaningful. Thank you so much for doing it. Yeah. I think that in itself makes it worth it. But it is not just to feel good. This is going to be a requisite. Consumers are going to vote with their wallets for the brands which do social good, which are purpose-driven, not just for political correctness and to give no, nice sound bites. It's not about sound bites and political correctness and optics. It's about substance. Consumers are not idiots. They see through us in a heartbeat. And therefore, you have to be authentic, consistent, sincere, committed, and demonstrate what value you're adding. You will win big time. Uh, and again, this is not just, uh, you know, uh, uh, for the sake of statement I'm saying, but I've written a full chapter about it in my book specifically. Yeah. Because this is making such a big difference to us, whether it is for attracting the right talent and retaining them. No, they want to be with a place where there's social good there. And Correct. You care about others. Exactly. And people are wanting to buy, even paying a premium to products which are actually contributing good to the society. So this is going to be the most exciting phase of marketing and I'm so inspired and I wish I'll have longevity to see for the next few decades of working. <laughs> but that's called wishful thinking. Big Money Energy is hosted by me, Ryan Serhant. It's produced by Mike Coscarelli and Joe Laresca and executive produced by Lindsay Hoffman. Find more podcasts like Big Money Energy on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your 
your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200k for one eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.